Welcome to episode 154 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with Psycharmor trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all of the podcast players or by going to psycharmor.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us in Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. Our sponsor this week is Sycomer, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. Sycomer offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. On today's episode, I'm having a conversation with Army veteran Dave Harrison, Executive Director of Workforce Development and Government Relations at Fastport, a company that focuses on workforce development and technology solutions with longstanding industry experience with the military community, transportation industry, and apprenticeship programs. Dave has extensive experience coordinating and advising employers, industry associations, and the Department of Labor Office of Apprenticeship on the most effective implementation models for registered apprenticeships, workforce development, and military hiring programs. You can find out more about Dave by checking out his bio on our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with him and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. Dave, glad to be able to have a conversation with you about Fastport's efforts to support the military population and the workforce. But before we get into that, I'd like to provide you an opportunity to share a bit about yourself and why this work is so important to you. Appreciate the opportunity and the time. I am a United States Army veteran. I'm a combat infantry guy. got two separate wars of CIB, seen action on three continents, mainly me running away and trying not to get shot, that kind of business. I'm not that smart a guy. I jumped out of aircraft on purpose. On top of people didn't like me very much, repetitively re-enlisted to do it over and over again. Every person in my family, in my father, both my grandfather, that go on and on, served. I, people say, tell me today, they say, thank you for your service, if they know. And I say, it's, it's an honor and privilege, and thank you for saying so. Because it was an honor and privilege. Not all good days were good days and all bad days. And I remember it was a feast, all, all those kind of things. There are things I would never do it again, nor could I do them again. I'm 90 pounds heavier. and I have no knees and no back and several other things that don't work. And about 23 surgeries to my name, but I wouldn't trade any of, of those experiences. The greatest people I ever met in my life were in the service of the other country and people put in extraordinary situations and very ordinary people who did amazing things. I'm privileged to have to honestly tell you that I have met heroes and having had the, the honor and privilege of, of, of spending time with people like that. You, you wouldn't know if your life never engaged with people like that, but knowing the, those people and knowing the, the richness and, and, and the amazing people who believe in servant leadership and those kind of things, I, I wouldn't trade any of that at all. Yeah, I, I medically retired. I tore up everything and started with a letter basically from my knee down to my toes. I've done a lot of things since then. I've, some people say I've had as many careers as Barbie has or close to it. I got out as my education, became a high school teacher, a high school football coach. You don't make a lot of money doing that. And some things changed in my extended family that required me to pony up and do some other things. I ended up in a marketing company and those kind of things. And then later I made a little bit of money just enough to buy into a restaurant, which 
was the most ridiculous thing in the world since I knew nothing about restaurants. And somebody ended up owing me money and they paid me off by giving me a, a semi truck. Uh, so I decided to get in the trucking business while I was in the restaurant business. And that led me to owning four more trucks. I did other things between. I carried a gun and a badge for a little while. There, there's a few other things, but eventually I got a phone call from somebody that I had served with and they said, don't you own some trucks and other things? And I said, yeah, I do. And they said, there's a small company called JB Hunt Transport and you might want to talk to him. Long story short, I was looking for a change anyway, and they offered me a job and I packed up everything and moved Northwest Arkansas, just like that. Found a place to live, started work on Monday. You know what I mean? It was like slid in sideways on Friday. I was there for many years, had a, wore a lot of hats in, in many different capacities. But the thing that I, I finished with was, as people may know, the workforce has been aging out. And uh, I wrote a, a white paper in 2012 called The Silver Tsunami, The Aging of the Workforce. And I proposed this military hiring platform that, because J.B. Hunt hadn't trained people with that experience since the 90s. And it was, they didn't really pay attention to it at the time. And that's okay. Things turned. And then they did. And the next thing you know, I ended up in this military hiring effort and I ended up really developing and directing the Hunts Heroes program. It was a dedicated mission to hire 10,000 people in five years. And so that, that was, that's really where that launched into it. There was no roadmaps. As we like to say, there was a sea of goodwill at the time, but there were no maps or no charts. And so we figured out things as he went. And of course, there was a changing landscape because of TAP, BSO, pages. They, they, at one time, the, they, they had veteran service folks that were at job centers and then the DevOps. Now we're doing this and these guys were doing that. They changed all the rules. And so every time you do, you got to reinvent the wheel. And we did that, but that led me into something else. I learned that someone participating in a registered apprenticeship program who was a veteran had GI Bill eligibility was eligible to draw monthly housing allowance, just like they were going to college which made sense to me, but not a lot of people talk about it. And I went, really? So I, how can I look at a veteran or any of my team that was working for me and look at somebody and say, we're veteran ready and we want you, and we're not providing every opportunity and GI Bill benefit that you have earned. And plus it's a recruiting retention tool. I'm not stupid. I got to hire 10,000 people in five years. I got to give them a reason to come. I'm competing with the Amazons of the world. They didn't have MHA. So I went to DC. I wrote the first national standard with truck driver for the veterans. We did that in the veteran space. That's where we profiled them. And we engaged it in that way. We were pretty successful that way. Plus, we were able to bring other transportation entities to discussion for the Department of Labor. So that and a couple other things that I was part of led to something called industry intermediary contracts with the Department of Labor, where they wanted people who spoke business could speak DOL because business doesn't speak DOL and DOL doesn't speak business. And they wanted to put people in those places to bridge the gap. Because here's the thing, if, if I'm, somebody's training me in an occupational discipline, I'm in an apprenticeship. If, if it hasn't been formalized, then I'm not getting benefit of it. The employer's not getting benefit of it. There, there's no national credential or anything else, but you're still in an apprenticeship regardless. And it's the bowling ball that got painted orange, but it's still a bowling ball. The whole relevant point was we've got tax credits by being an employer, this we we provide benefits to veterans who were in transition, where they got monthly housing allowance directly to their uh, direct deposit. 
while they're being trained and paid by us. So it's a win-win. I can look at them and say, look, your first year, you're going to make about 15 grand more than somebody else starting out. And, and they're less likely to go somewhere else. So it makes sense all the way around. So that eventually led to UL developing intermediary. And I was asked to take a role a little over seven years ago. My last act at J.B. Hunt was to speak from the Veterans Day ceremony. And I walked out, went and got my last box, loaded it up. And the next morning I was on a plane to Boston, Massachusetts. And I've been in this role ever since. I'm executive director of workforce development, government programs, military programs. So I work very closely with elements of the DCA. I was on the White House Truck Driver Shortage Task Force, also Supply Chain Task Force as well. The trucking action plan that the White House put out two years ago, we were the only entity in the entity listed to specifically by them to facilitate apprenticeship across the board. We've done that. And transportation, distribution, logistics. When I say transportation, I don't want everybody to think trucking because supply chain is much larger than that and distribution is much longer, larger than that. Logistics is much larger than that. If you look at all of those together, we put 24,000, almost 200 people to work in apprenticeship programs. About 25% of those are veterans. As we know, most of us know that's a much higher portion than there is in the population. We do very veteran-specific work with that, and we specialize in, in, in getting those GI Bill benefits to, with the employer partners and to the people we work with. We're, we're considered to be subject matter experts on those things, and rightfully so. We, we, we have leveraged that to benefit all, because I'm a big believer in a rising tide lifts all boats. Fastport itself started as a technology company with the specific idea of helping treasure service members and their families gain meaningful employment. They still use technology in a lot of ways, but the other part of Fastport is workforce development and it's contractor, department of labor. We're doing a lot. We're involved in a lot of spaces. I tell people all the time for flies, floats, it's on rails or if it rolls. Or it has anything to do with that from cyber to management to, 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 to mechanics, maintenance, or operation. It doesn't matter. We're doing something with it. And we are. We're operating about 50 occupations. Along with that, Fastport does all these supportive services for like Reeds Across America. We partner with Hiring Our Heroes, Century Military Alliance, MOA, the, uh, American Legion. I could go on. We're ENPP. We're the first ENPP selection. That's the Employer Navigator Partnership Program where they have counselors literally on military installations, talking to people, especially about workforce development apparatuses, apprenticeships, those programs that can offer those kind of benefits right off the bat. Because quite frankly, there's just not a lot of information flow where there should be. So we're knee deep in all that. That is, it is really fascinating. As I'm hearing you talk and you mentioned your own personal experience of your family's commitment, your grandfather's, your father's, and then yours to the service. Same way. My father, three of his brothers in Vietnam, two of my three grandfathers, I was a child of the 80s, but two of my three grandfathers came out of World War II. One became a mechanic and one became a tailor. They were small business owners. They were skilled laborers. And in between my grandfather's generation and, and maybe my generation, that, that access into the skilled workforce has kind of fallen off. I'm curious, and, and you got into this right around, it sounds like, you know, 2008, 2010 or something, when that first wave of combat veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan were coming back. Do you see some parallels? Not saying that this generation is like the greatest generation, but do you see some parallels where we're at in our country with how the veterans can impact our economy and our, our communities? Well, I'm, I'm going to say this, and I've said this publicly more than once. 
in all due respect, and I have massive respect for the greatest generation. Both my grandfathers served World War II, one in the Pacific Theater, one in the European Theater. But one thing that people miss about millennials is that for about a 20-year period, anyone that joined the service knew that they were going to war. So that means that they put their right hand up knowing they were going to go. I went in the service at the time when there were a lot of people went to National Guard thinking I won't ever do anything. So I, I, I have to give deference to people who volunteer to serve when we were at a, a, in conflict. That being said, to your point, you got a couple of things. The, the, the grandparent builds the business and makes it great. Parent gets it through and the grandchild makes it bankrupt. The old expression kind of thing. We have, like it or not, a crisis in the country, and we have a workforce demand crisis. We have people who don't want to work. We have people who avoid it with passion, or if they do work, it, they have turtles going in the door that I can't imagine. So it's a, it's a little different understanding. I don't want to sound like an old guy, but you have to adapt. And if you don't adapt, you die. Literally spoke in Kansas City this year on a veteran hiring platform. And also about changes in hiring with millennials and Gen Z and those kind of things. I advised a company not too long ago that they should shut up a Discord channel for the gamers in their company. Because you got truck drivers that are out there and they're taking a 10-hour break and they're doing these things. And it provides connectivity between office staff, fleet management, those kind of things. It, it, it bridges those gaps. And amazingly... That company's retention level went up like 22% over the next year. And one of the main reasons is it extended that community. And so one of the things that we're missing in this country is community. And maybe, that's not maybe, a fractionalization of family. And used to, you felt very tied to your community. People don't feel very tied to your community. And they're bad or, worse, or, or good, whatever it may be. I happen to think it's not so good. But so anything you can do on the workforce development side or any other side to foster that sense of community is a good thing on the most part. So what we've seen is a different expectations, less people willing to work from the bottom up. I clearly recall having a conversation with a retiring Bullberg colonel. He had two doctorate degrees. He had as impressive a resume as I've ever seen in my life. I said, what are you expecting? He said, I think I'm, I think my skills and my education and my, my experience warrant an executive vice president position. I said, I think all that's correct. Let me call the company that I work for, Fortune 300 company. And I'm going to send an email out first to all the VPs, the EVPs, the junior VPs, and ask which of the EVPs wants to give up their job so you can have it. And I asked what, one of the junior VPs who've been working for decades trying to get to that job. Who wants to wait? And then I'm going to ask all the directors who've been waiting for a VP slot and working for decades and working up the ladder and all that, who wants to just wait because you're qualified? And his ears got red and he got mad. He had a haircut like mine and his whole head got red. He walked off and to his credit, he made about 15, 16 steps and stopped for a second. And he turned around and he stared at me and I'm not sure if he was going to stab me or what, but then he come back over and says, I'm getting your form. It's valid. And so uh, I have seen, and I've seen uh, from the private sector and from the public sector and a combination thereof, because I bring the public and private together, military and transition, by and large, there's exceptions, by and large, they get their foot in the door and they rise. 
because the competition levels dropped off. There are people, quite frankly, that just they're not as astute at competition. They're not as driven by meeting standards. The other thing and the great thing is that companies in 2008 and 2009, 2010, they were like, eh, people are a number dozen. Don't really care about veterans. And then all of a sudden, 2014, the unemployment rate was insane. And now when you've got employers, you've got somebody who can show up on time, can be trained, can problem solve, and generally pass a drug screen. All of a sudden, they're at the top of the food chain. That's United States military in transition. And so it's a good thing for transitioning service members, but it's also like everything else is double-edged sword. I can, and it's definitely that perspective of, and, and we've had these conversations before, it's educating the employers and it's also educating the service members and making sure, like you said earlier, sort of that translation between the two. I do want to be able to touch on the event that, that you had just had. It's the event that you have every December. You had recently, this past one, you had partnered with Armor on it, the Veteran Ready Summit, which is actually a series yep. of, of engagements designed to support organizations that want to support veterans in their workforce. It's basically a week-long event that happens third week of December. We assemble in Washington, D.C. It's all, it culminates with wreaths across America. If any of your listeners are not familiar with Reese Across America, I encourage you go Google, pay attention, look at it, participate. Life-changing event, hundred percent. And and that's all I can tell you is do it, just do it, and take your ch- children, involve them. A friend of mine says, when you see the spiritual and grace run through the secular, and it's engaged going both ways, it's a wonderful thing. And, and however you feel about those kind of things, I think it's a living embodiment, but it, it culminates with that. We lay reason at Orange National Cemetery. However, we start the week with the Veteran Ready Summit and two-day event brought in 131-plus organization employers, things like that. And we bring people out who built veteran program. And not only that, we bring VA and the DOL vets. And we bring all government agencies in to talk about benefits. And we talk about how to do these things and what's available. But we talk in terms, Psych Armor, we partner with them. And I did some presentations with, with Andy there for their certification for the for veteran, for recruitment veterans and HR for veterans. That, but the whole point is to talk about at different apparatuses in recruiting, retention, employee relations, those kind of things. Those two days are involved in that. Plus, we feature VSOs and things like that. And we bring those folks to bear. But the other part is you bring people together that are all trying to help veterans. And some are just looking for best practices, a new idea, really. And, and this year I had some people that I've known have been in this space for a while that their biggest takeaway from this personally was that they got recharged. Because mm-hmm. you sprint, you run towards the end of the year, December's tough. And those kind of things. And it's, uh, the economy's gone down and programs they're working on suddenly got pared back and all this and frustration. And they get there and they find all these other people are passionate and care and they care about the same things. And they, you, so you get that fellowship, which we all know is extremely important, especially if you've served. The Veteran Summit is designed for primarily helping military or VSOs, organizations, understand how to have a vet-ready organization. Because as people say vet friendly. Everybody says vet friendly. Nobody's going to turn around and say, hire your vets. You've got a business. Okay. But vet ready is a whole different ballgame. Do you have an employee outreach? 
do you, how do you engage it? Do you offer GI Bill benefits because you're training people? All those kind of things. And so it's kind of a how-to. And if you don't know how to, we're not going to tell you every single thing because we're out of time, but we're going to tell you enough to inspire you and motivate you. And then you follow up with this and we're going to educate you more, which we've done that. We've done that already with three or four groups that at the Bet Summit. So that's the first two days, a great couple of days. It's been received well. And we partner with the American Trucking Associations and Hiring Our Heroes. And then the next thing we do is also in conjunction with those folks and some others on the transportation side, this will be our ninth year. We have facilitated and coordinated the, a, a brand new Kenworth truck being given to a truck driver who's a veteran who has won in a contest, a year-long contest where the, the, a board, separate board, a, a review every candidate. Then there's a popular vote contest. There's a series of, of events where they announce finalists and they bring people in and even the people who come in second, third, fourth, fifth, lives are changed in so many ways. And then the person who wins, they got a brand new truck, permit, plated. Dwayne, do you have any idea how many permits it takes to get a truck into Washington? Quite a few, I'm sure. Yeah, 40 something. But all that's done. It's squared away. And they got a scholarship to get a business degree from National University. They get specific training on how to be an owner operator and what to do from Minority Professional Truckers Association from an owner operator that owned mobile trucks has been through it and teaches this for a living and all these goods and services to help them be successful. And then we take employers to the Pentagon for a signing of the employer support of the garden reserve. And they do a, a, a thing there. We've brought over the years, over 400 employers to sign those things. And we culminate things, as I said, by letting, well, the, the night before Reeves, we do the Reeves Across America Appreciation Dinner. We bring a lot of partners that come to our event to that. They get to witness it. Um, and then we lay wreaths at Arlington the next, next day. And it's, it's the biggest thing we do all year. We do a couple of big things, but nothing as big as that. And it, it has, we have seen it affect more lives in a positive way. I, I am blessed because I get to do something that I see the result of. And I see lives change in a little better way. And I get to participate in that or be a small part of that in some way. And I can't think of anything that's a bigger blessing than to be, be able to do that or be part of it. That's obviously, as I'm hearing you talk and I'm thinking about that, which is consistently done, bring success, right? And again, just your personal story, but just the going from where Fastport's original supporting service members and veterans in workforce development, but really your continued sustained support over the years, I think it's excellent. If folks want to learn more about either Fastport, your military and veterans programs, or about the Veterans Summit, how can they do that? It, you can reach out to Fastport.com or nationalapprenticeship.org. And of course, if you want to reach out to me directly, Dave Harrison, Dave.Harrison at Fastport.com, F-A-S-T-P-O-R-T. And Dwayne, to your point, I've got seven years of people go, Fast who? You know, as I said, we're the grease between the wheels and sometimes we're the wheel itself and sometimes we're the engine and sometimes we're the, just the people in the back pushing the car down the road. We're in a lot of things. We do a lot of things. We support a lot of things. Uh, grateful to do so. No, that's great. I will make sure that the, all those links and your contact information are in the show notes. Dave, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And thank you. I appreciate your time. Have a great day, sir.
Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. It was great to be able to have a conversation with another subject matter expert highlighting the efforts to support workforce development for service members, veterans, and their families. If you're a longtime listener, you know that we've had a number of these conversations, and it was great to have Dave's expert perspective on the subject. One of the things that he mentioned that I would like to develop just a little bit more is about how veterans get their feet in the door and then rise quickly in organizations. Like he said, it's not always the case, but more often than not, a veteran who gets into a company will do well compared to their non-military colleagues. I've heard it described as veterans have a shorter runway and a higher ramp. They may come into a company a couple steps below where they might expect, but then get promoted quickly. One example I heard of was a company-grade officer who started off in a company's call center and within several years had been promoted to a management role, while others who joined the company around the same time were still in their original role. I've seen it time and again, heard about it, and even experienced it myself. Whether it's because of an ingrained work ethic, ambition, or even just the combination of dedication to the organization and passion for the job, if a veteran can find a company that's a good fit, doing something they love, then it's a great thing for both the veteran and the organization. The other thing that I'd like to point out is something that Dave said about the annual Veteran Ready Summit that's held in December of every year. He said that attendees came away feeling energized, which can be a difficult thing, as he said, at the end of a long year. But he's right. When you engage with other people who are passionate about the same thing you're passionate about, your passion gets re-engaged. It's like the quote from Albert Schweitzer, At times, our own light goes out and is rekindled by a spark from another person. Supporting service members, veterans, and their families is long, difficult, and often thankless work. It can be discouraging because there has been so much done and there still is so much more to do and so many different ways to do it. But when you get around others that you don't normally connect with that are doing the same things you're doing, are passionate about the same subjects and working towards the same goal, then you are re-energized and reinvigorated to continue working towards that same goal. That's the value in organizations like Fastport who are continuing to facilitate the development of this ongoing passion and people like Dave who are the embodiment of it. So I hope you appreciated this conversation with Dave. If you did, we'd appreciate hearing from you. So if you do have some feedback, let us know. Drop a review in your podcast player of choice or send us an email at info at We're always glad to hear from listeners, both feedback on the show and suggestions for future guests. For this week's Psychomer Resource of the Week, I'd like to share the Psychomer course Tax Incentives for Employers Hiring Veterans. In this course, we will discuss the key aspects of the credit and benefits that work opportunity tax credits can offer your organization. You can find a link to the resource in our show notes. So thanks again for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find in the podcast app, as well as on the Psychomer website at psychomer.org forward slash podcast. While you're there, you can find hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are all committed to educating the non-military community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members, veterans, and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation and make sure to engage with Psychomer on social media to let us know what you thought about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing and all rights to the show remain reserved by Psychomer. Much appreciation to the team at Psychomer that makes this show happen. Carol Turner, 
Vice President of Strategic Communications, who keeps me on track and is an outstanding guest coordinator, and support and transcript by Emma Atherall. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we request that you do, but make sure to let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.